0: A word to uh, boys and girls and all God's children gathered here or out there. You probably noticed this thing sitting up here this morning, and if you did, you probably know what it is. My wife said to me, What are you bringing that to church for? And I said, I'm going to use it for a children's message. She said, The kids won't even know what that is, it's so old, because people today just use their telephones. This is something that I used frequently when I had a job that took me flying to places I'd never been. I would get, and she always talks to me and says, drive the highlighted route. There's a voice inside there that helps me find the way. I would pack it in the suitcase and get to Denver where I had never driven before and put in an address and do what she told me and be able to find it. I found my way in Los Angeles. I found my way in Washington State. I found my way in Ontario. And I had never been driving in any of those places before. This little invention helps me find the way. And it struck me as I was thinking about that, that that's what the Bible does for us as well, helps us find the way, not to Los Angeles or Denver, but to heaven. And God's instructions to us in it must be heard and understood and believed and done. And there's a little voice that goes along with it that whispers in my ear, do what it says, and that voice is the Spirit of God. That voice speaks to each of us who read God's Word and follow Jesus' way and want to find the way all the way from where we are to heaven. Works better than GPS, and the destination is much better too. And I thought I would just use it to remind you and me that we know the way because Jesus gave it to us, and the Spirit whispers to us to follow. A couple of passages from God's word this morning. First of all, from the second letter of Paul to Timothy, two verses or so from the first chapter, and some others from the third chapter. I was thinking, by the way, as I was listening to what Josh said to us a little while ago about what's going on in Uganda, that what I'm going to say this morning is almost like an application of the message you already heard about reaching where you are, being where you are, and saying, God, what do you want me to do here? And remembering it all starts at home. Second Timothy 1, three to five. Paul's words to Timothy, I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience as night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded, now lives in you also. And then from the third chapter of 2 Timothy, verses 10 through 17. You, Timothy, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And the text is a familiar one, I'm sure, taken from the 22nd chapter of Proverbs, the sixth verse. Train a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not turn from it. He must have been a teenager when Paul first met Timothy because As long as 15 years after that, he still wrote to him and said, now don't let anybody despise you because of your youth. Already when he was a teenager, Luke wrote of him in Acts chapter 16 and said the brothers spoke well of him. In the letter from which I just read, Paul addresses it to Timothy, my dear son. What parents wouldn't love to have an apostle say something that positive about their child? What parents wouldn't love to have said about their child what Paul said about Timothy to the Philippians? I have no one else like him. Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. He learned it, the gospel, Paul says, while still an infant from his mother and his grandmother, and he hung on to it. However, not every parent like Lois and Eunice have a child who grows up to be a Timothy. I have frequently been asked throughout my ministry by broken-hearted parents, many of them with tears running down their cheeks while they asked, what does it mean to read in Scripture, train a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he won't turn from it? They're troubled not just by their child's waywardness, but by the apparent scriptural theorem that faithful parents have faithful kids and the frightening corollary that seems to be implied in it that faithless kids are a result of faithless parenting. Is acceptance the rule? You've heard the text Train a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he won't turn from it. That's the first NIV rendition. Now, in your pew Bibles, it reads: Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they're they're old, they will not turn from it. Still difficult. Today's English version reads, teach a child how he should live and he will remember it all his life. The New English Bible says, start a boy on the right road and even in old age, he will not leave it. The message says, point your kids in the right direction. When they're old, they won't be lost. The Amplified Bible reads, train up a child in the way he should go. And in keeping with his individual gift or bent, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. The New Christian Version Train children how to live right, and when they're old, they will not change. The Living Bible Teach a child to choose the right path, and when he's older, he will remain on it. All different but when it comes right down to it, all troubling. I would like to propose my own quite literal and perhaps slightly amplified version of Proverbs 22.6, and then explain to you why I think it gets us at the truth. Attention, everyone rub chewed dates on a child's palate so they can swallow, then feed them in pieces they can chew, so that even when he has a beard, or like a she-camel, her lower lip begins to hang down, they will not forget what they ate or stop eating it. Well, you'll at least have to admit that's a little more colorful but I think it gets us at the gist of the meaning of the text, starting with, attention, everyone! Rub chewed dates on a child's palate so they can swallow. Sounds a little different than train a child. Proverbs is sometimes thought to be almost brutal to children. Listen to some of these. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish him with the rod, he will not die. Punish him with the rod and save his soul from death. And finally, blows and wounds cleanse away evil and beatings purge the inmost being. But even train a child sounds a little mechanical and impersonal. Consider, though, the following The subject of the sentence that is the text is not just parents, but you, whoever you are hearing or reading this text right now. Of course, this training is a parental responsibility, but it's also a responsibility and, I would add, a privilege of the community of faith. What a tremendously important and significant thing it is when a child is baptized and the congregation says at the conclusion of the sacrament, we promise to love you and pray for you and instruct you in the faith and encourage and sustain you in the fellowship of believers. There's support and help and encouragement, not just for the parents, but from a whole community of people parents, grandparents, adults, teachers, peers, elders, deacons, pastors. Attention everyone. The words aren't there on the page, but they're implied in the grammar of the text. Train a child. Other versions have instruct, teach, start, train up. I suggest rub, chewed dates on a child's palate so they can swallow. There's something of the idea of training here, but not the way you train a horse. The unfortunate fact is training a horse is often called breaking a horse. The idea here is not breaking or just breaking a child of bad habits, but preparing a child to adopt good habits for him or herself. The root of the word train in Hebrew has in it the Hebrew word for mouth, palate, lips, gums, And it goes back to the ancient practice of a Hebrew midwife who takes the newborn child immediately and rubs inside its mouth chewed dates or oil to lubricate and prepare that child's mouth to suck and swallow nourishment. The idea is not so much of cramming in what ought to be there but preparing that child already at the moment of birth to start taking on the nourishment that is important for it. The responsibility of the community of faith is the preparation of its members to know and understand and accept and adopt the faith of the community. To say in words and deeds and attitude, What the Apostle John, a kind of a parent figure for the early Christian church, said in his third letter, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. I don't think it's possible to overemphasize the impact we'll have on our children and youth if all of us want nothing so much as to help them see and understand, and know, and apply the faith on their own. Attention, everyone! Rub chewed dates on the palate of a child's mouth so they can swallow. And then uh, feed them in pieces they can chew. Admittedly, that's not quite the same as the familiar in the way he should go. And that too sounds a little programmed. I mean, get the kid on the tracks and make sure his wheels stay on it so he goes where he's supposed to. But the literal translation here would be after the manner of a child. Perhaps we ought to ask, who is the object here? And then what is the object? Who is the object here? Train a child. Now, we tend to think when we hear that word of the kids who used to run down the aisles and sit on these steps and listen to the children's message and how I miss seeing them come and talking to them and knowing how important it is to you to watch them. Of course that's important. But we ought not to not think about them but expand beyond that. This word child in the Hebrew language is used in the Old Testament to refer to an unweaned infant, a weaned child, a young adult, and even someone of marriageable age. There is a breadth of consideration here that is not readily apparent in the word child. Child. But it says to me, our children don't cease to be our concern when they're old enough to eat what they choose or go to school on their own. The extent of our love and concern for them remains just as great, but the method of conveying it may change. What's the object? Well, train a child in the way he should go where the path is, where the road is, where the tracks lead. Although it says, literally, after the manner of a child. Now think about it this way. As long as we're already talking about taking in nourishment, eating, digesting food, and that's what kids need to be prepared to be able to do, then it makes sense to hear this as, feed them in pieces they can chew. You don't serve a three-year-old a T-bone steak. They don't know what to do with it. Even if you cut it up, they might not know what to do with it. Feed your child, feed our children what they're able to chew or in a form appropriate for their age. Listen to Moses talking to Israel, Deuteronomy 6. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. The point of the proverb It's not that at some specific point in time, conversation and teaching end. It just adjusts to the increasing age and maturity level of the children we're instructing. We don't stop talking at home or along the road, on the way in or on the way out, when we're up or when we're lying down. We just talk differently as they grow older and know more and understand better. And this is part of the frightening and exhilarating way God has designed it for us, not to be force-feeding, pumping in to our children what we think ought to be there, but encouraging them more and more as they're able to understand how to make the Christian faith their own and put that faith into practice all along the way. Feed them in pieces they can chew. And when he's old, he will not turn from it. That's where the rub comes, doesn't it? Because the fact of the matter is, there are kids who grow up and reject it, who defy this apparent rule. And the really painful part is that some of them who do are ours. But once again, a literal translation of the text, I think gets us closer to the point. Literally it reads, Not so that when he's older, but when he's beginning to grow a beard. That's if you use the Hebrew root. Now, most of the Middle Eastern languages are intertwined and interrelated and swap words back and forth. If you use the Arabic root there, it has a picture of an aging camel particularly a female camel whose lower lip begins to droop as she gets older. What you have is two very graphic ways of describing increasing age and maturity so that even when he's old enough to shave or her skin begins to sag, they won't turn away from it. What we have here is not a Foolproof guarantee, but a goal for parents. Is this what you want? Is this what you want for your children? Is this your hope for them? Is this what you desire them to believe and know and abide by? Then as soon as possible, as often as possible, on a level they can understand, and in a way they can watch it in you and in the community of faith, do all you can to prepare your child to accept that faith, and practice that faith, and keep that faith on his or her own. It's not a guarantee on children. It's a guideline for parents, and for us all. Attention, everyone. Rub chewed dates on a child's palate so they can swallow on their own. Then feed them in pieces they can chew, so that even when... He has a beard, or like a she-camel, her lower lip begins to hang down. They'll not forget what they ate or stop eating it. But as for you, Paul writes to his dear son, Timothy, and that's the other side of the coin, the rest of the story. But as for you, Timothy, as for you, whoever you are, as for me the amplified version, now the published one, not mine, continue to hold the things that you have learned and of which you are convinced, knowing from whom you learned them and how from your childhood you have had a knowledge of and been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to instruct you and give you the understanding of salvation which comes through faith in Christ Jesus. That is, through the the learning of the entire human personality on God in Christ. Trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness. Continue, Timothy. Continue, whoever you are. Continue, parent. Continue, grandparent. Continue, adult or teacher or elder or deacon or pastor. Continue in what you have learned and become convinced of. So, together, let's be on our way. Let's pray. Father in heaven, it's still difficult. The task or the text is still a challenge but it's a community challenge and not just a personal challenge. And it's a challenge from the God for whom nothing is impossible and who pledges to remain available, strengthening and encouraging us. So do so and help us to live our faith and to share our faith and to explain our faith and to encourage our faith and to begin at home and reach where we are for Christ's sake Amen Will you stand and receive God's blessing When you go, go in peace and may the God of peace himself give you peace at all times and in all places the Lord be with you all Amen.